everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of the Locked On Magic podcast. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and we have made it. It is draft day. Uh, cue up Kevin Costner. Cue up, I don't know, what other movies have there been made about the draft? Jerry Maguire? You know, cue up all those, all those fun shows, because the movies cannot copy reality. Today is NBA draft day. So much excitement, so much uncertainty, so much optimism, so much hope, so much pessimism, a whole range of emotions. I, you know, it's, it, I'm recording this at 9.18. I've already received emails and, and texts and tweets from people suggesting trade ideas and throwing stuff out there, seeing what can happen. I'm sure Woe just tweeted up a storm, and it's not even 10 a.m. yet. So it is an exciting time in the draft, and... Uh, it was an exciting day yesterday, which we'll get into right now, but just to preview a little bit what's coming up on the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some experiences that I've had mock drafting. I, I, I think I talked a little bit about that yesterday, and my big board. Uh, I posted a, a, bi- a big post on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, just kind of reviewing all the players that we profiled and power ranking them and saying who I think the Magic should pick, so I'll go over that. And then uh, I'd like to take a little bit of time to think about uh, what is culture? And, because I think that's a word that you're going to hear thrown around a lot tonight during the NBA draft. Uh, I think it's going to be something that we will watch and, and, and think about as the Magic make their pick and make their moves heading into the offseason. So I want to I address that just a little bit, just, just give a final thought before we enter the NBA draft. But got to start with the big news of the day from yesterday around the NBA you had, uh, you had the some some major moves being made uh, in first the Utah Jazz, the Indiana Pacers, and the Atlanta Hawks executing a three-team deal that sends George Hill to the Jazz and Jeff Teague to the Pacers. Uh, the the full details of that deal have not been released quite yet, but a, a big deal moving some point guards. I'd actually suggested on an article I wrote for Fansided that the Magic try and acquire George Hill uh, as to play either backup set, backup point guard or play some type of, uh, you know, kind of veteran backup position, either as a two guard or, or, or one. Uh, and I, th- I think that's a really, really good move for, for Utah. I really like that. Um, provide some depth behind Dante Exum. If Exum is not ready to go at the beginning of the season, a steady hand for a team that's looking to, t- to make the playoffs. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of that move for Utah. And then, of course, the, the big deal that, that's getting the marquee this morning the Chicago Bulls trading Derrick Rose and some other players uh, to the New York Knicks for uh, a package that includes Jerry and Grant and Robin Lopez. Probably should have led with Robin Lopez. And that deal signals what the Bulls are possibly doing, that, that they're looking to move on a little bit from, from, that, from that Rose-Butler dynamic that, that hasn't seemed to work. That Rose has obviously had his injury issues and, and has been a little, little disappointing in that era, era, area. Um, it certainly seems to make New York maybe a little bit more attractive to free agents with Rose and Carmelo Anthony there, uh, and and they've already apparently gotten into the Dwight Howard sweepstakes. So uh, a lot happened yesterday uh, in the NBA, and the question I kept getting is why aren't the Magic involved in these deals? Why aren't the Magic, you know, why aren't the Magic active in these trade discussions? And you know, it's hard to say that they're not active in these trade discussions. They're not active in these in these transactions or out there looking for deals to make. Uh, you know, frankly, 
I don't think the Magic were particularly interested in Jeff Teague or in Derrick Rose. Um, they they like they have Alfred Payton. They like Alfred Payton. There's there's no reason for them to to give up on Alfred Payton after two years. And and I, I know he had a difficult season last year. And, and I'm sure I'll talk about this and talk a little bit more about my thoughts on this uh, on a future podcast here. But Alfred Payton, for for all his flaws. Did some good things last year. He, he continued to grow a little bit. It, it was a struggle, but I, I don't think it's the time to give up on him unless you get a clearly better option. And I'm not sure one year of Derrick Rose or one year of Jeff Teague is a better option long term than Alfred Payton. Uh, and and in trades, you got to think about the short term and the long term. Contracts matter. All all that stuff matters, and and that's 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 something to consider too. But the question I kept getting is why aren't the Magic more active in these trade discussions? Why aren't the Magic a bigger player in these. And Rob Hennigan had a, had media availability on Wednesday, and, and he, he talked to us about a number of issues uh, regarding the draft, and, and obviously he, he, he was being a little coy. You know, he can't talk about specific players, can't talk about specific deals. That's just not his style. It's also not his style to leak things to the media. And so I don't think we hear all the things the Magic are doing. And so don't take a lack of reporting, and, and maybe it's my fault for not reporting it and not you know, having the sources to tell you exactly what's going on behind closed doors, but don't take a lack of reporting for a lack of action. I think the Magic are going to be aggressive on the trade market in this draft. I, I think 11, at 11, you know, there, there's, there are some good players, but there are flawed players, extremely flawed players with extremely high ceilings. And in the draft, you are trying to project into the future. So you take a player that might have some question marks, that might have um, that might have some issues that you think you can solve or that you think can get better over time, That and there'll be a better player down the road. It's not necessarily about what you get today. It's probably about what you get two, three years from now or toward the end of that, that rookie contract. And that's why a guy like... Scal Abasier or Deontay Davis, who have major questions, are being considered better than a guy like Denzel Valentine, or uh, you know, or or maybe even in some circles better than Jakob Pertl, um from Utah. And so, again, don't take inactivity as as. Uh, or don't take a lack of news as inactivity. I think the Magic are exploring a lot of options. I think they'll explore trading down in the draft, trying to bring in a veteran and to, to go down, and, and you know, I've actually had conversations about this today, possibly trading in trading into the bottom of the draft, taking in maybe a veteran that has a little bit of a riskier contract, um, eating up some of that cap room, mind you, but doing so to get a, a quality veteran to, to bring off the bench and to maybe draft a guy like Malik Beasley or, you know, take a chance on, on someone else. You know, you look at the end of that draft, like a Torian Prince might be a good pick. Or, uh, you know, there, there are some good players toward the end of, the, toward the end of this first round. And, and as Rob Hennigan said yesterday, um, there is, you know, a lot of parity between, like between 10 and 20, 10 and 25, somewhere, somewhere in that range. You look at, you know, he, Hennigan said they brought in close to 20 players in for workouts and interviews. I mean, that is a lot of players. And so I think the Magic have an idea of what they're trying to get out of this draft. And I think they're, and, and, and I'll play this clip in a second from, from Hennigan yesterday. They're, they're trying to get someone that can contribute immediately 
and also grow into something more. And they'd like to take a player that, that I think the emphasis is on taking a player who can help immediately. But where they're picking at 11, they might just have to take best player available. And that might mean taking a project. I think the preference would be, um, you know, someone who can contribute. But with where we're picking, um, we may have to lean more toward the best player on the board as we try to balance those two things. But the preference would be to find someone who can help us immediately. And with that stage set as, as far as what the Magic are, are looking to accomplish and look, looking to do in the draft, uh, you know, we t I turned to a, a, a bit of a project that I did last night um, just sort of to recap all the different players we've looked at on OrlandoMagicDaily.com for the last few weeks. You can check this out on OrlandoMagicDaily.com right now. And that's, I created a big board, a, a power rankings uh, for who I think the Magic should, should take a look at and should pick. And, you know, we looked at 19 players overall, 14 in depth, 5 in a, in a, uh, in a sort of under-the-radar piece. Uh, and, you know, there are, some, there are some really interesting players in this draft. And I'll, I'll go through uh, the top 5 for you here uh, since, since I have some time. Uh, you know, number five, I have Jakob Pertl from Utah. Uh, really good center, got good arm, got good length, good defensive, good defensive instincts. Uh, a really solid post game, developing a little bit of his jumper. He's he's a pretty complete player, and I think he can come in and contribute pretty quickly uh, in the NBA. My my only concern with him, especially when it comes to the Magic, is how similar is he to Nikola Vucevic? I think he's better defensively on Vucevic. He has better length than Vucevic, and I think he has better like instincts for trying to block shots. But he's not a true rim protector, and I worry about his lateral quickness guarding pick-and-rolls. I don't think he was asked to guard the pick-and-roll very much at Utah. Uh, and while he's improved, and I think he's got a great post-up game, he doesn't have the jumper that Vucevic has. And so it's not that I don't think Jakob Pertl could be a better version of Vucevic or be a really good player, my concern is for this Magic team that's that's looking to add something to the team, looking to make the playoffs take a step up, there, he's not a guy I'm willing to start right now, and he's not a guy that I see being much of an upgrade over Vucevic. I guess the only upgrade would be that he comes on a rookie contract, and, and that, that's obviously a little bit cheaper, so maybe you're willing to move Vucevic around because you have Pirtle in the wings waiting. And I think that's a big key, as I, as I noted yesterday, that's a big key for the Magic when they're drafting some of these players, some of these big men especially, and the, there's a focus on big men with where the Magic are picking. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, when there's that focus, when they, they need someone that could eventually overtake Vucevic or could eventually become a starter because whether the Magic keep Vucevic uh, this summer or sign an Al Horford, um, they, they need a center. They need a center that's going to be their center of the future or could grow into their center of the future or and provide some nice minutes in, in the meantime. And Pirtle fits that bill. It wouldn't surprise me if the Magic pick him, uh, but I, I just don't see a very high ceiling with him, and, and I think that's still something that they value. Uh, number four, I had Marquise Chris. Um, I'm not as high on him as some other, as some other people. Uh, he's probably going to be gone by the time the Magic pick at 11. Uh, he, he's just that classic... NBA super athlete that that doesn't find a great fit in a more structured physical college environment and is a much better fit in the NBA. Uh, he's he's got great athleticism, great length. Um, you know, I you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of of, of like a, a, a you know less developed Sean Kemp at this point. To be to be perfectly honest, um, 
got, you know, can, can get up, has good, has good court sense. Uh, you know, the big concern with him is he's just so raw. Um, and he's shown some ability to shoot, so he might fit the NBA game a little bit better. Again, I think he's gone by the time the Magic reach 11. If he's there at 11, I, I'm often awfully tempted to take him. Um, I think in one of the mock drafts I did, I think it was a hardwood paroxysm mock draft, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was left with the choice between Marquise Chris and, and my number one guy, Scott Labassiere, and I ended up taking Labassiere. I felt Labassiere could play the center better, uh, was a little bit further along uh, as far as his offensive game and what I know I can get from him next year. And that's why I took him, and that's why I have Chris at four. I, I think he's still just a little too much of a project for what the Magic need. Uh, you know, There are some, some things that I'm not completely sold about with him, but I understand why uh, NBA scouts have fallen in love with this guy. Uh, number three, I have Jalen Brown. I, I also think he'll be gone by the time the Magic pick at eleven. Just kind of that he, he looks like he looks like a small forward, and that's that's what I really like. Like I think you could put him on an NBA court, and he could hold his own physically, and that's always a big thing when you're coming from the college level to the to the NBA level. Can you hold yourself physically? He he, he looks very similar to like like what Stanley Johnson looked like last year, but I don't think he's as good as Stanley Johnson. Um, his efficiency with his with his shooting is not good. I wonder what does he do when he doesn't have the ball in his hands constantly like he did at California. Uh, can he work without the basketball? Can he still get to his spots in the NBA? He's, he's, he's a good scorer. He's a gifted scorer. I think in transition, he's, he's going to be fantastic. I think defensively, he'll hold his own. But I wonder how he transitions to, to a more secondary role and, and learning the NBA game from the perimeter on in. And, and that, those are huge questions, I think, for a young guy like, like Jalen Brown. Again, I think he's gone by the time they take him at 11. Very talented player. I've, I haven't had, I haven't faced a situation where he drops to the magic, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's, he's a guy that, that, that goes a little bit later than, than people think. I think his game's a little less developed than, than some of the other players. And, and, and I'm, I'm concerned about how he um, develops and, and what teams are willing to, to risk in that development. Uh, my number two guy is Deontay Davis, Michigan state center, Really skilled defender, good shot blocker, uh, ton of athleticism, long arms, better offensive game than people give him credit for. Uh, he is, he's, he, I'm really, my one and two guys are really, really tight, and I get the feeling one's going to be gone before the Magic pick. I don't think both will be, but you never know. Um, you know, I, I was in a mock draft for Henry Ellenson, dropped the 25. So, you know, crazy things happen, crazy things can happen. Um, Ellenson would be my pick to, to drop, by the way. Uh, I, I, don't think he'll go that low, but uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of what he can bring to the NBA level. Uh, but, but Davis is a really good player. I think he fills that need that the Magic want as a rim protector. I think he could come in and do a lot of the things that Dwayne Dedman does, and, and it seems like Dwayne Dedman's probably not long for the Magic. Uh, I think he'll still get a qualifying offer. I think they'll still have that option to match him, but I, I imagine that he'll, he'll be going on to a new team. Uh, the one problem with Davis is he's just he's still so young. Uh, he struggled with fouling uh, at the at the college level. He struggled with uh, rebounding, which is which is a big red flag for for centers because usually that translates decently well. So I think there's still a lot about the game he has to learn, uh, a lot about defensive positioning, and a coach like Frank Vogel would be really really good for him. Uh, so I think Orlando would be a really good spot for him. I think he can develop and grow in Orlando, uh, and I think that he'll have a decent career with the right coaching. Uh, so he's, he's got a lot of growth and development to do. All these guys do. Uh, but I, I re I'm a big fan of Davis. I think, I think he uh, definitely can uh, 
can help the Magic. Uh, but the guy that, that I think the Magic should pick if he's available, uh, depending on who else drops or whatever, but the guy I think that the Magic should pick out of all the guys that we profiled is Kentucky Scal Labissiere. I think that he is, is more developed offensively, so I think he can contribute pretty quickly on the offensive end. Um, I think that he's got great defensive potential with the right coaching. I think he can grow into a good good defensive uh, rim protector. He's got great lateral quickness, so I think he can come out and show on the pick and roll and recover. Uh, the big thing is just just learning how to play basketball. Um, he's he, he's a guy that's really impressive from a skill set standpoint, but has not shown it in games. And he's been pushed around a little bit, and he's got to put on some muscle and learn to be physical. And, and that's that is a big that is a big thing, and that, that might be why. You lean to Davis, uh, and I've, I admit I kind of go back and forth between the two very often. I've consistently picked Labissiere, so I will, I will stick with what I've been saying for the last week or so. Um, I think Labissiere is worth the risk. He, it's going to take some time. He's probably going to have to come off the bench for a year or two, but I think that his, his upside and his potential is really high. I think, he can, I think he can reach it with the right coaching, and I think I have a lot of confidence in, in Frank Vogel to, to teach that and, and to do that. I mean, you look at a guy like Miles Turner, he came into the league with a lot of the same questions. He's a, little, a lot more developed offensively, so don't get me wrong there. But people wondered, you know, does he hang around the perimeter too much? Is he, is he going to be able to bang and be physical? And Frank Vogel, you know, really turned him into a solid rookie of the year candidate or solid rookie who did, contributed a lot in his first year. And, and I could see the same thing happening with, with Scal Abissiere. I, I really could. And I think that that's, uh, that's, that's definitely a reason to keep him in mind and, and, and just recognize he's a project, recognize that, that it's going to take some time, but uh, that he could be a really good addition to the team in the long term. Uh, with, this, with this final segment I have, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what is culture. And we're going to hear this word, I think, thrown around a lot on draft night. It's, it's, it's one of those GM buzzwords about what is culture and why is it important. And frankly, when it comes to the NBA draft, I think situation is as important as anything else when it comes to whether a rookie develops into a good player. You get put on a, on a team, on a bad team, with no direction, no culture, no coaching instability. You know, you put a, you put a rookie on, on one team, he turns out one way. You put him on another team, he turns out another. Uh, role matters. Um, it, 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 there are just so many variables and factors that go into whether a player succeeds in the NBA. And I think a big one is that buzzword culture. What is that locker room like? Are they going to take that rookie under their wing and teach him how to work? Is the coach going to spend time with him and make sure that he's understanding the things he has to do, even if he's not playing, keeping his confidence up, giving him a chance? Uh, is the team stable enough to provide him a foundation to grow from? Uh, you know, and, and there are some serious questions about the Magic's culture right now, and there should be. It's been four years since the Magic made the playoffs. They've taken small steps forward but haven't taken the big step forward. Uh, the, the Scott Skiles effect, as everyone likes to call it, did not take a take in last year. The team improved a little, improved slightly defensively, but not significantly, and they didn't make the playoffs. Um, there are there are questions about what the Magic's culture is like. Uh, you don't have a two and twelve January without 
asking that question, whether things are going the right way. And I think the Magic are going to focus in on bringing some veterans that are going to try and improve that culture and um, improve some some things that, that this young group may just may not know how to do, to be frank. Now, I think the Magic do have a culture of, of hard work. I think their guys work hard. Um, you know, they're all trying to find their way in the league, so there might be some headbutting over who gets the ball and, 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 and some individual numbers because everyone's trying to earn their first contract, which is a little bit of a problem. But I think overall the guys want to work hard. They, they, they're, they're in the gym doing everything they can to get better individually. The question is how do you create that team culture that you have an identity, that you, um, that you play a certain way every night. You hit that consistency. And that's the part that the Magic are missing right now. And Scott Skiles, for, for all that he does well, you know, he does certain things wrong too. And it's been that way throughout his entire career. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've described it as he focused, he, he, he lost the forest for the trees. He focused so much on the individual game that he lost sight of individual development, uh, prepping players for the long haul and the marathon of the season. Uh, Mario Hazonia is, is a perfect example of that. Uh, Hazonia, I, I figured he'd be brought along slowly, uh, but every time it seemed like the Magic should give him a little bit more leash, let him learn, let him make maybe a mistake or two and see if he can learn from it, Skiles kind of grabbed that leash back and, and put him back on the bench. And it, it wasn't that Hazonia didn't improve, but I think that made him skittish on the floor, and it hurt his performance overall. Um, I, you know, I expect Hazonia to be better. I expect Vogel to take a little bit, little bit of a better approach with him, but it certainly hurt him in some small way. So we'll see what the Magic... Uh, how the Magic handle Hazonia, and how the Magic uh, handle this draft and handle this draft pick that they're about to receive and whether they can incorporate him in, into, into a culture and whether they can incorporate him into something that helps him get better. That's what it's all about. Can you make individuals better to make the team better? And right now I think the Magic have that individual aspect down. They got guys that work hard, want to make themselves better, they don't have that team aspect down. And Vogel's going to help with that. He's probably he's, he's, he's a legitimate coach. I mean, he's, he's a really, really good coach that I think gets it. And so that's going to be a big part of establishing a culture. And I think adding another veteran will be a big part of establishing a culture and, and setting a tone of, hey, no more, no more playing around. No more you know, panicking when we, when we lose a lead. you got to have the expectation that you're going to win. And that's something that I think still needs to take hold with the Magic, and it's something that we'll be discussing throughout the summer. So that'll do it for the Lockdown Magic podcast. The NBA draft is tonight, starts at 7 p.m. I'll be at the Amway Center. There is no watch party tonight uh, at the Amway Center, but I'll be at the Amway Center um, wa- you know, watching the draft with the other media. We'll talk to the, to the pick um, over the phone when he, when he, comes, when he, when he calls in. Uh, we'll be talking to, to Rob Hennigan. I'll be there all night. So be sure to follow me on Twitter, at OmagicDaily. That's at OmagicDaily. Uh, follow us all day on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, have, should, I, I may publish this today. We, sh- we have an interesting story uh, updating on, on Tyler Harvey, last year's second-round pick, who probably is going to play in summer league. Don't really know what his future is, but a good article in the queue on that, as well as my mock draft and Zach Palmer's mock draft. You won't want to miss 
either of those, see who see how we think this draft is going to shake out. And uh, happy draft day. Thank you all for listening to the Orlando Ma- to the Locked On Magic podcast. Remember, you can I, you can try and find us on iTunes. I believe we'll be on I believe we're on iTunes. Search Locked On Magic podcast. If you can't find us there, go to audioboom.com. Search Locked On Magic. Uh, you should be able to find us. There's a little button on the left side that says iTunes. Click on that or RSS. Click on that, and that's how you can get our feed. Get us automatically downloaded onto your mobile listening device or whatever you do to listen to podcasts. Appreciate all the listens that we've gotten so far. I hope I haven't pushed this too much, uh, but really excited about this project and really excited about the draft. So I'll talk to you tomorrow here on the Locked On Magic Podcast.